today is an extension of last week's Q&A. Last week on Friday, I mentioned I had a shit ton of questions. I did not get even remotely close to through them all, which is awesome problem to have. So today I'm picking up the slack. I'm going to start cranking out more questions for you guys. And we have a really, really good list. Um, I felt like the questions just actually got better and better and better as I went down the list last week. So I'm pumped about this episode. But before we get into the show, I do have a couple quick announcements to make. First one is something I think I already mentioned, density. Density, the Boom Boom Performance Power Building Method releases this Friday. This is my new ebook, guys. This is a program that is uh, the sequel to Functional Muscle, I guess you could call it. It is something I've been working really hard on pretty much ever since Functional Muscle released. It's something I've tested on a lot of different clients um, and different variations of it. Um, It's something I've tested on myself. It's something that some of the top coaches in the industry and some of the top fitness models and people that you watch on Instagram and YouTube and all these people who have insane physiques and are also very strong, this is the type of training they do. Power building is exactly what it sounds like. It's powerlifting and bodybuilding put together. And the reason it's so beneficial is because if my goal is pure strength, I am not going to get there the fastest or be able to sustain that strength result the best if I just train in my power strength rep range. If I want to be the biggest dude and be the most muscular person, I am not going to get that goal by just training hypertrophy. I'm going to get that goal better if I train strength and hypertrophy. If my goal is fat loss, it is not going to be most beneficial to do circuits and just tons of cardio. It is going to be most beneficial to build strength and build muscle mass. See, no matter what your goal is, you need to have a combination of High and low rep ranges, high and low weights, um, high intensity style cardio, low intensity style cardio. You need a combination of things, guys, and you need to be able to phase them appropriately week to week, month to month, and day to day. That's what this program does. This program is something that takes powerlifting, bodybuilding, and everything needed to build the ultimate physique and still be strong and move well and puts it into one program. Like I said, it is the sequel of Functional Muscle. It is, um, I would say it's an advanced program, but it's not just for advanced individuals. If you have some experience with a barbell and some dumbbells, you're golden. This is for you. There's nothing I have, like I have no worries about beginners using this program either, but I say it's advanced because the programming is very intelligent inside of it. I put a lot of work into this and it comes from a lot of years of experience working with the top level coaches, working with hundreds of clients and training personally for the last eight years. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. I think this is going to take your results to another level, no matter what your goal is. And I'm super pumped for it to launch. So it releases on Friday. For the first 50 people who opt into this program, which is going to be discounted, 20% off all week. So from Friday to Friday, you'll have a chance to get a 20% discount, but I jump on that ASAP. It is the first 50 people, sorry, the first 50 people are going to have exclusive early access and a discounted access to my membership site that will launch at the end of summer around August. This is the biggest project I've ever worked on and it's in the works right now. It's being built and it's going to be something that is a month to month membership inner circle style, if you will, um, giving tons of exclusive content, tons of exclusive interviews, um, programming every single week. So you know what to do in the gym. There's a lot going into this. I'm super pumped about it. So for the first 50 people who buy density, the power building method, you are going to be noted into an exclusive group. You're going to get notified that you were in that group of 50 and you will get early access into that when that launches. Um, I wanted to do something special, extra, other than just the the 20% rate 
discounted rate that's going to be going on during that first, you know, five to seven days, however long I, I decide to keep it. So I would jump on that quick, guys, because I could pull it at any minute. <laughs> but I wanted to give something exclusive for the first 50 people. So you guys are going to get early access into something that's going to be revolutionary. So um, with that being said, my second announcement. So first announcement, density. Guys, there's no link for it yet. Watch out for everything on Friday. My newsletter, my Instagram, this podcast, everything will have links for it. Jump on it. It's going to be one of a kind. I'm super, super pumped about it, and I know you guys will be too. Announcement number two. This podcast is now accepting donations. This is not something I've done in the past, but this is something that has been brought to my attention and would be a potentially good idea to help the podcast grow. 95% of what Boom Boom Performance produces is free. Literally free. They're ebooks, they are blogs, they are podcasts, Instagram, YouTube, all these things that we literally pour our heart and soul into. I put so much work into this stuff over the last, I don't know how many years, and now I have a team of individuals who are helping me do more. All of this stuff is free, right? We coach people, that is not free. But 95% of what, what we put out is 100% free. And we want to be able to do that more, and we want to be able to do it with higher quality and more frequency. One of the ways we need to do that is to invest more, and we are constantly investing more. So what we decided to do is set up a donation-style podcast. And what that means is there's going to be no advertisements on this podcast anymore, but you can donate even just a dollar. You can donate 50 cents a month if you wanted to. You could donate a dollar. You can donate five. You can donate 20. If you think I'm worth it, you can donate $200. It's up to you guys. But every single dollar counts, and every single dollar at the end of each month gets flipped and turned right back into the show, whether that's getting more guests on, coming out with more episodes for you, coming out with free products strictly for the donators, whatever we can do to help the listeners have a better experience, help the audience get more free content, learn more, get better results, all of the donations go right back into this content production which is all free for you. We appreciate it so much. We appreciate your guys' support so much. I just love having all the feedback. I love that you guys listen to me every single week, and I seriously, seriously appreciate just following the movement. This is literally a movement, and we are changing lives around the world by helping people learn how to live a healthier, longer, and more fit lifestyle. Not only the people I work with personally, but the people that are absorbing this free content. So if you want to donate towards that movement, you will be helping these people as well. And again, we appreciate it so much. It's completely optional, but we have that as a option for you guys now if you want to help the movement, if you want to be a part of it. So you guys can click, excuse me, you guys can click the link in the show notes in the description below that's on iTunes. You can see my Patreon account. You can see what happens because every month I'm going to pick a donator or a Patreon and that is going to be a winner. The winner is going to get a free month of coaching and is going to get interviewed on the podcast to talk about that free month of coaching. So every single month, we're going to try to pick a winner. They're going to get on the show. They're going to get free coaching. It's going to be a really, really cool experience, something I'm super excited about. Um, and this thing's going to continue to grow. And just to speak it into the universe, I'm working on some charity style stuff that will be incorporated into it as well, which is basically going to be, I mean, if any of you guys know, it's extremely hard to just start your own charity. So I'm working on it, but that's in the near future too. we got a lot of cool projects going on. So I just wanted to mention that real quick, guys. It's not something I'm going to talk a ton about, but I am going to mention on the show. So if you guys want to donate, again, there's a link in the profile. We appreciate it. We appreciate the support, and we appreciate you helping us grow this movement to reach more people. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the Q&A. All right. Hi, Christina Marie. From Instagram says, I've heard so many times on podcasts that when estimating caloric intake, 
that you should be anywhere from 10 to 13 times body weight for slight deficit or maintenance. I'm a small person. I'm 5'1", 105 pounds. So that puts me around 13, 15, so about 1,315 calories or so for maintenance. I found that so unsustainable. I am just, am I just fooling myself into thinking 1,300 calories is actually low so I can eat more? Or is that actually right? So really, really good question. I, I really wanted to pick this question because I work with a lot of people who come to me and, you know, they, they have some fat to lose or whatever. They have some goals to hit. They want to get leaner. They want to get more muscular. But they have, you know, they're 130 pounds, 120 pounds. This person is 104 pounds, 105 pounds. I don't know where the four came from. 105 pounds. First of all, you most likely don't want to lose weight, I'm assuming. Um, 105 pounds is lean. And she said, I mean, this, this question was four times longer. She said she, she trains intensely. She does lift. She does cardio. So I'm, not, I'm assuming she doesn't want to lose weight. She probably wants to build muscle, burn fat. She wants to recomp. Um, because of that, you're not going to want to cut calories a bunch because obviously you're going to lose weight. You're probably going to be losing some muscle mass. So for these individuals, it's even more specific when we get into the details because you have to be sure that they're not losing a ton of weight because they can't afford to lose a ton of weight. Um, with that being said, I do not think you're fooling yourself. I think 1300 is very low. And there's a point in time where you have to now like here's the deal too is if you were getting on stage for a bikini show it's a different story you know what i mean as you get close to the show sometimes you have to dip into those low ranges but for a maintenance calories 1300 is extremely low and that's where the calculations don't do justice and that's where a coach does justice and that's where experience will tell you calculations aren't always the same because to be honest with you for me for most clients i work with 10 to 13 times body weight is actually going to be fat loss so I'll categorize people in 10 to 13 times body weight is calorically is fat loss. 14 to 16 is usually going to be maintenance. 16 to I would say like 18 is going to be uh, weight gain, depending all depending on the individual. Because for some people, 13 times body weight is maintenance. For some people, you know, times 10 getting low is fat loss, dipping down to times eight, depending on the individual. Because the same as you being small is, is the same to said for somebody who is obese. You know, if somebody's 300 pounds but should realistically weigh 225, 12 times their body weight for fat loss is extremely unrealistic. It's not going to happen. They don't need to go that, that, like that high of a calorie is unnecessary. They can go times six, times eight, get really low, right? So I think it really, really depends. Now, for somebody, when you're that small, it's completely trial and error. And what I mean by that is start with quote-unquote maintenance, maybe that means, you know, on the upper end of fat loss is 13 times your body weight. Okay, we'll start there, maybe even 14, because I would say for like a CrossFit individual or somebody who's doing super high-intensity stuff too much, 14 times body weight for fat loss is much more uh, applicable. So maybe you go with that because you're in this smaller category and you're doing intense stuff. So you start at 14, and then I would actually reverse diet you up, play with it, add 100 calories, add 100 calories, add 100 calories. See how high you can put your calories while losing weight. Practice the reverse diet approach and ignore the calculations because at the end of the day, calculators are just not always right. They do not take into play a lot of the hormonal stuff. They do not take into play um, <laughs> how small you are really, right? I think there's a cutoff for those things um, once you get to a certain point because you know they say 10 to 13 times body weight assuming that you have weight to lose, not necessarily fat. Like when we were trying to target fat loss and not general weight loss. And what I mean by that is, is your goal is to lose fat. So maybe you want to maintain your weight while burning fat, which is very, very hard to do. 
in those situations, we are much closer to a maintenance level of calories because we are going to be trying to drive nutrients into your body. We got to be training really hard, probably going to have to utilize cardio to get the fat loss versus calories. Um, and you're going to be doing a lot of like simple things like supplements and sleep and meditation and, and, and fasted cardio, like I mentioned on the last podcast and things like that to get your fat loss results, not calories. Um, so what I would, what I would suggest to you on that is start with 1400 or I mean, uh, 14 times your body weight. So we can even do the math right here. If, if you're 105 pounds, that's 1470 for 14 times your body weight. So I would start there, maybe even round it up, start at 1500 calories, see what happens. And a lot of times in situations like this, what I will do is a couple things. If somebody's this light and we want fat loss and stuff, maybe I will go 1450, 1500 calories, which is still pretty low, but then I'll have two refeed days a week, right? So maybe you're going low, low, high, low, low, high, and you kind of cycle this two days of low, one day of high, or you're going five days high or low, two days high back to back. Um, so we're utilizing refeed days to bring your total weekly caloric intake up while keeping most of your days a little bit lower to try to push fat loss on those five days of the week or four days if you're doing the low, low, high. Um, so there's a lot of different strategies you can use. So that's one thing I would say. The next thing I would say is is consume like 1.2 times your body weight in protein no matter what, um, which is going to be 126. I might even push that higher. I might even go like 1.25, which is going to be 131, 135, I believe, grams protein per pound. And the reason I say that is because when you're that light, you can't even optimize muscle protein synthesis by eating your body weight in protein. This is where eating more than your body weight in protein is, is very beneficial because um, – when we think about muscle protein synthesis, we know from studies that we need to consume at least 25 grams to spike this muscle protein synthesis response, right? All the way up to 45 grams. Now, 45 is going to be a pretty high for, for that individual. But even if you're eating if you're eating five meals a day, which is tip, pretty typical, four or five meals a day, that's 125 grams of protein total if you're really on point about hitting 25 grams minimum per meal. And a lot of people only eat three or four meals a day. So you're well below that, especially if we talk about protein that's truly bioavailable, which is going to be meat, dairy, eggs, things like that. So having 135 grams of protein per day ensures that you're hitting that muscle protein synthesis response, which is going to allow you to build more muscle, spike the metabolism, keep hormones going, keep recovery going, and just get stronger and build more muscle, period. So I would probably bring calories up. I would bring add in refeed days if you are afraid to bring calories up too high um, before you bring them up. That's something I'll do before a, a reverse diet. I'll play with it and be like, before we bring all your, your daily calories up across the week really high, I'm going to bring you know two days a week up or even just one day and just see how your body handles that high calorie day or two. Um, test the waters, see how it works, and then bring the other days up. And then bring your protein up to about 125 to 135 grams of protein per day to make sure that you're optimizing the muscle protein synthesis response. So she had a second question. Her second question was, I've found that I function better at around a 40-30-30 split, but fats being the 40. Any negative to that? So when she says 40-30-30 split, she means macros. So 40-30-30 would be for her, she's saying 40% fat, 30% carbs, 30% protein. Is there anything wrong with that? Um, not at all, especially because you're so light, you're not going to be eating a ton of protein. Like the, the whole, like there's a, there's 
there's the classic diet of like 40, 30, 30, which is the zone diet, 40% protein, 30% carbs, 30% fat, which I actually think is really, really good. The issue with it is depending on how much you weigh and how, where your calories at, if you're, if you're calorically eating a good amount, your, your protein is just way too high. Like for me personally, I won't do, um, 40% protein because that would put me at 270 grams of protein. And the reason for that is because I am metabolically in a good place, right? Because I'm eating 2,700 calories a day times 40% gives me 1,080. So divided by four, that's 270. That's way too high of protein. That's literally almost 200 grams more protein than I eat per day. Um, I'm sorry, 100 grams more protein per day. So it's just unnecessary, right? So that's where the zone diet kind of fails because if I were to follow, and this is why I don't like percentages, right? People always ask me, oh, I'm, what kind of like ratio should I follow? I did a YouTube video on like the best ratios because they're a good starting place, but they're not individualized, right? Where when I set macros, it's a specific gram per carb, per fat, per protein for that individual, for their training, for their goals, for their lifestyle, for how many meals a day they're eating. It makes sense to the person, right? So I think that, uh, going off ratios is the first mistake. But I would say that 40-30-30 fat protein carbs is actually a really good split. And I think my diet is probably that, but carbs are 40% because I have a high-carb diet and that's just how I function better. But like I don't think there's any negative to having a higher percentage of fat. It just depends on a couple things. One, if you notice that you're storing more fat and your your performance is suffering, either one of those two, you might want to flip the switch and go lower percentage fat, higher percentage carb. Typically, your body is going to preferentiate carbs as a performance and fat as a storage. It's just, it's just science. It's just what it is. So the only way your body is going to really utilize fats as like strictly fuel is number one, if you're doing a lot of low intensity work. So if you have a very active job that's not like high intensity active or you're doing a lot of low intensity cardio, yeah, your body will utilize that fat for fuel. Um, but if you're doing a lot of high intensity style stuff and lifting and you're just consuming a bunch of fat, your body's not going to preferentiate that fat for fuel because it's not the predominant fuel source. It's not what your body thrives off of when it comes to training hard or performing intensely. So for most people that I work with that are lifting consistently in, in more than you know three or four days a week, which most of them are, especially if we consider conditioning or cardio days, um, I have them on a higher carb percentage than fat strictly because like, I want to get the minimum – at least the bare minimum, maybe a little bit above the bare minimum amount of fat needed to operate nerve, nervous system, hormones, satiety, things like that. So they don't have to suffer any negatives of a low fat diet. And then I give them as many carbs as possible because I know that's going to lead to more strength, more energy and more muscle mass and probably a faster metabolism, which is debatable, but I believe it. And from experience and my anecdotal experience and stuff and what I've researched and studies, I do believe that's true. I think carbs are more metabolically active, but in that case, I think they're going to put their macros to better use. Like I've had plenty of people that come to me for fat loss um, or body recomp and they show me their macros and I don't change their calories whatsoever. But what I do is I flip fats a little bit lower and carbs a little bit higher. They start running at a higher intensity in their training and everything and they naturally burn more calories, build more muscle, therefore lose body fat. So I think that I think 40 30 30 split with 40% fats is okay and I don't think there's any negative to it. You're not going to hurt yourself or have any health problems with it. Um if anything from a longevity standpoint it might be healthier because 
we know that like aesthetics and performance isn't longevity based. But if you're looking to burn fat, build muscle, I do think you might want to switch that. More Chia, please, from IG, from Instagram. What's your opinion on a Nike snack slash nightcap? Is there a macro that's best to have? Is there one to avoid? No sugar, high volume, low volume. So basically she's asking um, about snacking at night. I think, so number one, we, so this goes back to the, like my nutrition hierarchy ebook, right? The number one principle is adherence. So follow everything that, like do whatever you need to do with your nutrition to make sure that you can adhere to it. If that means saving some room at night so you can have a snack before bed and that makes you follow your overall plan better, it makes you happier, it makes you more satisfied, it doesn't, you don't go to sleep deprived or feeling restricted, then I think it's smart. Number two is going to be overall calories. Number three is going to be overall macros, which I'm going to kind of combine together on this question. If this fits into your macros, if it fits into your calories, you're golden. Don't worry about it. Keep doing it. There's nothing wrong with it, right? Um, number three is going to be meal timing. And this is where we get into the nitty gritty. Um, just like the article I just wrote, The Ultimate Fat Loss Plan, we talk about meal timing. And I do think nutrient timing matters. But it, it's splitting hairs to people who are looking for more consistency. So overall, it's not going to affect your results much. It's not like you know, like eating after 6 p.m. or eating after 7 p.m. or whatever that whole thing was back in the day, that's completely a myth. I don't think you have to worry about that whatsoever um, because the truth is it's all about daily consumption. So if by the end of the 24-hour period you have hit your calorie and macro quota, you're golden. You're going to lose the weight you want to lose. You're going to build the muscle you want to build as long as you're, you're, you're going forward no matter what. There's no, there's no issue there. Um, that also being said, she said, is there one to avoid, no sugar, et cetera? So I would say too though, like if you have a ton of sugar before bed, it's probably not going to be the best idea. Um, processed sugar tends to give people higher stress, higher cortisol, higher anxiety, um, things that we don't want elevated right before bed, which is going to affect our quality of sleep. But that's not carbs in general. I would say that's processed sugar because I know for some people, myself included, my dinner is my biggest carb meal of the day. That's when I have almost like 50% of my carbs. I literally eat like at least 100 grams of starchy carb in that meal. And the reason for that is, one, I like having a big meal at night. It kind of chills me out, relaxes me. Um, it's just easier socially. Like we have big dinners, you know what I mean? Or we have a drink, glass of wine or whatever it may be. It fits in there easier. Um, but also the the hormonal release and the cortisol shutdown from having starchy carbohydrates, especially if you train in the afternoon like I do, it's going to put you to bed. It's going to help you sleep better. It's going to have good quality sleep and there's studies to back that up. So um, I don't think there's anything necessarily to avoid besides processed sugar. Um, and the only other thing I would say is just if you have so much food or so much anything, no matter what macro it is, no matter what how processed it is or anything, if your body, your gut is doing a lot of work to try to process and digest that right before bed, it is going to disturb your body's ability to shut down and fall asleep because your body can only do so many things at once. Um, or you're going to fall asleep and then you're not going to fully digest that meal because your body's sleeping. So, um, and that's, and that's again, anecdotal. I don't know how many studies there are to prove that, but I've just seen if people have, you know, a big gut bomb right before they go to bed, they're just not going to sleep as well. So I don't think there's, I don't have any opinion on it. I think a nightcap is good if it helps you adhere to the plan. I like to have a nightcap. Um, it's usually some kind of like protein dessert or it's a hot cocoa from Four Sigmatic, which is like Rishi tea kind of thing. But it's something to help me kind of have a sweet tooth before bed. And that's purely from an adherence standpoint. So when I say that, it's not because I'm trying to get 
hit my macros. It's because I know if I leave a little room right there, it's like a mental thing. There's no other benefit besides the mental. Tim Danchak. Tim Danchak from Instagram says, what's your favorite continuing education workshops slash seminars? Fuck. <laughs> this is a long list. Um, first and foremost, I am going to speak into the future and say that my workshop seminar is going to be the best and the the one that I uh, is my favorite. Um, I got some stuff in the works. This is a long time coming, but I, I have a lot of projects on my mind of what I want to do, and one of them is a workshop to help trainers. So I'm just putting that in there. It's it's gonna be it's gonna happen. So stay tuned. Um, right now, uh, I definitely got to give a shout out to NCI Nutrition Coaching Institute, um, simply because I mean. I went through it. I think it's great. Um, I went through it long after I became a nutrition coach. So I saw what they were doing and was like, man, this is so perfect because it's applicable to what we need as coaches. So I think that's huge. Um, all my coaches who are going to be working for me and in the Boom Performance team, they're going through it as well because it's that important. So I, that's a huge one. Um, John Russin and Christian Thibodeau, that was one of my favorites. I don't know if they're still doing it together. I know they're both doing their own separate ones. That was a really cool one. It was in, uh, I did it a while back, but basically they both went into their own thing. So like John Russin does his like seven phase um, activation warm up series, which is great. And then uh, Christian Thibodeau goes over the neurotyping stuff for program design, which is great. So that was a really enjoyable one for me. Um, I'm going to see Christian Thibodeau and Paul Carter in Oregon, um, August. And that one is like the maximum muscle Bible, like that book, it's like their seminar around that book. So I'm assuming we're just gonna be talking about muscle and program design and stuff like that, which is gonna be great. Um, let's see. Um, the Vigor Summit in Seattle, that's always a great one. Luca brings a ton of great speakers out for those. Um, all my favorite seminars and workshops, to be honest with you, were private events. So, like, it's not a good answer to the question because it's a private event, but. Every mentorship group I've ever been a part of has had a mastermind and we'll fly out to somewhere and it's a small group of men um, and now men and women, the one I'm in now, but it's a small group of individuals. We meet up however many times, usually it's like once a quarter and you, you get together, you have lunch, you go out to eat, you, you mastermind, you, you connect. Those are my favorite because it's very secluded, it's very private, it's very individual um, and you're instead of listening to a speaker in the crowd, you're talking to the speaker face-to-face. -face. Now, they're a lot more expensive because usually you're paying monthly to be a part of these groups, but it's so fucking worth it. So those are my favorite for sure. Um, everything else is going to be online. I haven't done John, Joe DeFranco's CPP and, and his stuff, but I would love to do his because I'm a big fan of Joe DeFranco. Um, that's someone I've been trying to get on the podcast. So if any, if any Joe DeFranco fans are out there, Shoot them an email and tell him he's got to get on the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Tell him Cody's trying to get him on. My assistant already emailed him, but we're hoping to get him on soon. So we'll see what we can do with that. He's uh, By the way, Tim Danchak has uh, quite a few questions. Or just three I wrote down here. So we're going to keep going on his. Um, you guys are drying out my voice today. feel like an old man. What value makes a great coach? Fuck, dude, I can't even boil it down into one. Um, we just shot a video kind of similar to this too that'll be on the, the YouTube and Facebook soon. But um, what value makes a great coach? I don't think I can boil it down to one. I think um, if I had to boil it down to one, it'd be vulnerability. 
I think being vulnerable, um, I think creates not only a great coach, but just a great person. I think that is such a, it's such a quality. It's, it's a very, very needed quality for anybody who is trying to be a good person and is trying to be the best coach or the best teacher or the best educator possible. I think you have to be vulnerable. Um, going off of that, I think you got to be a go-giver. And that's one of our core values at Boom Boom Performance is like, we want to give, 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 right? Like as much as I can give, as much value in everything I do, I don't care if the person's paying me $5 or $1,000, I'm giving my all no matter what. And I think that's a great value. Um, and, you know, kind of going off vulnerability again, like being transparent is huge too. So, and maybe I kind of plunk, clump all of these together. And uh, I would say being a go-giver and uh, authenticity. So authenticity is going to be being transparent, being real, being vulnerable. It's going to be all these things put together. It's, it's being you, being personable, being individual, being who you are in this world and not worrying about what anybody else thinks, says, or does. Because you know that the most value you can provide is by being your transparent, most authentic self. And I, I, I'm huge on that. So I think the best values that come out of a coach are going to be being that and people relate to it and that's why that's why coaches are great and they're open to learning they're open to taking advice from clients from other coaches and all these different things like I think that's huge um he had another question that said how do you connect with other influencers slash fitness professionals to be honest man I think it um for me it's just kind of it it's kind of serendipitous like it just it, it kind of just happens. It, it kind of like we just run into each other. There's a lot of people that like I was just on shout out to Will Schiller, um, Schiller Fitness. He has a podcast called Strong Minds. He heard me on a podcast. He messaged me, said he liked it. We started chatting. He was like, yo, get on mine. I got on his podcast. Um, Christian Thibodeau, he came and did an event. I told him how great it was. We followed up, got him on the podcast. John Russin, at an event, followed up, wrote for his blog, did this, got him on the podcast, like all these different influencers and fitness professionals, it just kind of happened, you know, like Kaiza, she was doing a photo shoot and, and I opened the door for her and was like, yo, what's up, I'm Cody, I'd never even heard of her at this point, and this is years ago, and we had a great conversation, she was like, yo, like, what's your Instagram, like, I'm gonna follow you, and then I was like, damn, this girl's doing it, so then we kind of connected, got lunch, chopped ideas, and then we became friends, so it all kind of just happens. I think if you force relationships, it's hard. But at the same time, there's there are relationships like, you know, um, Jason Phillips is another good one. Even Luca, like those people I sought out and I reached out to because I was like, yo, like what you're doing speaks to me. I relate to it. It's it's real. It's authentic. You're giving a lot of value. Everything I just talked about, I appreciate it. And I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of your life. I want to learn from you. I want to do something for you. Any way I can help you, any way I can provide you value, you let me know and I will be all in on it. So there's there's those two ways, right? Either it just happens or you go out of your way to make that connection. So I think that's I think they're both really, really smart ways to do it. And that's how I would suggest you connect to people. I mean, if your gut's telling you to connect to somebody, just reach out. Most people in this industry are so cool that they will connect and, and talk to anybody. Rhiannon, I never know if it's Rhiannon or Rhiannon, so I apologize if I'm saying it wrong. Rhiannon Healy, best anxiety management techniques. Ooh, uh, number one is meditation. Meditation is going to be one of the best ones because it slows everything down. It teaches you to be present. It teaches you to be kind of one with your head and in your head space and in your mind. And I think that most people get anxiety because they're so in their head. They overthink. They overstress. They are 
predetermining what could happen in the future. And because they determine what could happen, it screws them up big time. So um, I think one of the best ways is meditation, just learning how to slow down, be calm, be present, like be inside your own headspace and just just be chill. Like I, I think that'll go a long way because at the end of the day, anxiety is, is the fear of what's to come, the fear of unknown that you don't know is coming yet. Um, and that's just it. We don't know, right? It could be good, could be bad, but because we, um, because we create anxiety around it, we never know what's going to happen and we get, we get too anxious about it. So um, I would say meditation. I would say positive focus is a good one for me, which is basically a worksheet that I use with my mentor clients. What happened? What's the lesson? How do you apply the lesson? Or no, sorry. What happened? Why is it positive? How do you apply that lesson to the rest of your life? The reason this is good is because when you start dissecting situations, even ones that are negative or may have caused you anxiety, and you pull out a positive and then pull out a lesson that you can learn from that, this allows you to just become better, to just become more positive, to take a shitty situation, to take an unknown situation, to take something that scared you and flip it and turn it into a positive. So that helps a lot because it provides essentially a sense of ease going into situations because you know that even if it is a city situation, because again, when we look at anxiety, remember anxiety is really just it's fear of what's coming, whether we know what it is or not. It's fear of something about to happen, usually what's unknown. But if we create a response in our brain that starts looking at things differently and saying, okay, I don't know what's coming, but I know that I'm going to be able to turn it into a positive and learn from it, it, it takes the, the stress and anxiety out of those situations that are coming because we know we'll be able to turn around it when it does happen. So positive focus helps a lot. Meditation helps a lot. And these are both prehab, guys, not rehab. And what that means is you don't wait till you get anxiety to make this happen. You, you do this so you avoid anxiety and you don't get as much anxiety. Um, and then uh, so those two, I would say nutrition as well. Like people forget that nutrition, like if you have inflammation in your gut, you're more likely to have anxiety, depression, all these mental disorders or mental issues, whether they're on the big scale or the small scale. Right? Like I don't claim that I had large scale anxiety because I was never diagnosed with anything by a medical professional, but... I would very well say that I had anxiety um, on a regular basis regarding my, my family life, my, my, my business, the decisions I was making, goal setting, things like that, just like a lot of people do. Um, and a lot of that can be caused or enhanced through food, right? Like processed sugar is a great example of that. That can guarantee to cause you anxiety. Even like dairy products for some people will have an intolerance effect in their gut and it will cause some form of anxiety because we remember that serotonin, dopamine, all these different things are produced in the gut. They can have a, a effect on your brain. So diet's big. And then last but not least, movement. Movement, training, these things release anxiety, you got to move, you got to train, you got to get that out. Um, and I guarantee that physical release will help the mental side of things. And, um, oh, sleep, duh. If you sleep more, I guarantee it's going to be better too. Just restfulness, right? But I think like at the end of the day, like the, the issue most people have with anxiety is that they don't take these things and apply them, right? Because I can tell you all these things and it's like meditation, duh. Journaling, duh. Sleep, duh. Get a better diet, duh. Like people know this. The issue is, is they don't take it and put it into play consistently. They aren't doing these things daily, weekly, monthly. They do them for a couple of days and they stop. And then three weeks later, they wonder why they're having so much anxiety again. It's the same reason why I have mentor clients that will come to me and they're like, man, I had a shitty week. I'm stressed. I'm not getting anything done. I'm starting to worry. I'm getting anxiety. What if, what if, what if? 
And I'm like, yo, when was the last time you meditated? Man, it's been weeks. Have you been journaling daily? Nah, I keep forgetting, man. I just don't have time. And I'm like, all right, well, before I give you any tactics to fix anything, meditate, journal, come back to me in a couple of days. A couple of days later, and, and my mentor clients can contest to this. They can, I can prove to you that with, they will agree with this. They'll come back and they'll be like, dude, I feel better. Things are going right. I'm productive, right? Like I'm making more money. <laughs> like it's just what it is. So I think like listening to these simple things and putting them into play on a daily basis is huge. She had another question. Training tips for those with high cortisol slash stress levels. So I think this is a catch-22. And I think, um, spoiler alert, I have a podcast with Christian Thibodeau this week. I'm actually recording it tomorrow. So we'll probably touch on this because I think that's that's a very good question for him because he knows a lot about this kind of stuff. But I think that it's kind of a catch-22 or double-edged sword in the sense that you know, like if you have high cortisol, you're probably going to be good at high cortisol-based training, right? And then it bites you in the ass. So like CrossFit or in high-intensity powerlifting, strength work, um, power work, those things cr- you need high – like cortisol going high allows us to perform harder and faster. And this is just anecdote speaking. This isn't – there's no study to prove this because I don't think there's a study that can answer this question. But in my assumption, those this high cortisol level would allow you to train better at those things. But – that, and that would cause you to want to do more of it because we always love doing what we're best at. But then when we do more and more and more, our cortisol gets chronically elevated and that causes over fatigue during our recovery state and that leads to shitty results. So the training tips for high cortisol stress levels is to make sure that you're not going balls to the wall hard all the time. Make sure you're, double down, you're doubling down on, on recovery. Um, these are the type of people that I would definitely add a post-workout carbohydrate plus protein shake, like something like um, whey and cyclic dextrin, right? Because, or even uh, essential aminos and cyclic dextrin because this is going to shut off that cortisol response that happens when you train. And again, we want higher cortisol during the training session because that's going to allow us to perform harder during that training session. Um, but right after that training session's done, we need to blunt that cortisol response. We need to shut it down, slow it down, and get to our recovery state because that's the only way that we're going to be able to continuously see gains. Um, so I would definitely suggest doing the, the post-workout shake. Um, I would probably implement some low-intensity stuff. If you're doing training and cardio, let's say you're doing six days a week of activity, I would do like four days a week of lifting and two days a week of cardio. Those four days a week of lifting, there would be two like max effort style high intensity. So you're still getting a higher load, higher intensity, more strength dominant day. And then two days of like bodybuilding style days where you're going a little bit quote unquote lower intensity. Um, even though your heart's pumping, you're working hard and everything, but just moderate weight, higher reps, more bodybuilding style, because that's going to be less demanding of cortisol, less demanding of your nervous system. It's going to be easier to recover from, from a neurological standpoint. Um, that's like the training tips I would give you is just blending and balancing everything out so it's a lot easier on you. I have actually another guest that's coming on the show that I'm recording this week that's going to be really good to touch on this with because he came from the CrossFit space doing really big things in CrossFit and now he's shifting his approach quite a bit. So he's one of those guys that's not doing that the same thing that all these other CrossFit coaches are doing and I think it's making some noise. But he would be a really good person to answer this question. Um, so the big thing there for training tips and just tips in general is because you're naturally higher stress, naturally higher cortisol, you need to prioritize cardio even more. I mean, sorry, recovery, <laughs> definitely not cardio. You need to prioritize recovery even more. You can't be doing a ton of stressful stuff and just never, ever recovering. 
All right, guys, that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show today. A couple quick announcements before I let you go. First and foremost, I just want to encourage you to check out the products I have in the description. First one is the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is a very cheap guide to literally mastering your diet. That's why it's called the All-Inclusive Guide to Mastering Your Diet. It's going to teach you exactly what and how to manage your calories, your macros, your meal timing, your supplements, your micronutrients, literally everything you need to know about dieting and nutrition and how to change your body composition through nutrition is included in this book, not just to get your results, but to actually teach you how to get those results along the way. The next thing is going to be Functional Muscle, which is my first and right now my biggest product out there. This is the program that is based on years and years and years of functional training with tons of clients. So whether your goal is strength, fat loss, or muscle gain, you should be strength training towards these goals while prioritizing functional movement patterns to make sure that you are avoiding any injuries along the way. That's exactly what this program does, and it's great because it guides you through the process, it changes throughout the process, and it gives you demonstrations and explanations about everything you're doing so you never get confused and you always have a solution. You also get access into the Boom Boom Performance Podcast Forum. That is the only way into the forum, and that's where you can ask me literally anything about anything, and I will help guide you through the process. Last thing I want to mention, guys, is if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, that would be fantastic because it literally is one of the biggest and best ways for me to grow in the iTunes charts. Oh, yeah, and real quick, if you're not subscribed, hit the damn subscribe button because I constantly bust out content for you guys, and I spent a lot of time and effort making sure that you guys can get better results for free by simply listening to this podcast. All right, guys, I'll catch you next time.